This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey folks, I hope you'll spread the word about Kick-Ass News and share us with at least two friends this week. Or better yet, share Kick-Ass News with all your friends on Facebook or Twitter. And if you really want to help, donate to our GoFundMe campaign at GoFundMe.com slash KickAssNews. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick-Ass News. When future NBA legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was still an 18-year-old high school basketball prospect from New York City named Lou Alcindor, he accepted a scholarship from UCLA largely on the strength of coach John Wooden's reputation as a winner. It turned out to be the right choice as Alcindor and his teammates won an unprecedented three NCAA championship titles. But it also marked the beginning of one of the most extraordinary and enduring friendships in the history of sports. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar writes about that relationship in Coach Wooden and Me, Our 50-Year Friendship on and Off the Court, a stirring tribute to the subtle but profound influence that Wooden had on Kareem as a player and then as a person, as they began to share their cultural, religious, and family values while facing some of life's biggest obstacles. From his first day of practice, when the players were taught the importance of putting on their athletic socks properly, to gradually absorbing the sublime wisdom of Coach Wooden's now famous Pyramid of Success, and learning to cope with the ugly racism that confronted black athletes during the turbulent civil rights era, as well as losing loved ones, Abdul-Jabbar fondly recalls how Coach Wooden's fatherly guidance not only paved the way for his unmatched professional success, but also made possible a lifetime of personal fulfillment. And it all began during his time at UCLA, where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played for coach John Wooden on three consecutive national championship basketball teams and was a record three-time MVP of the NCAA tournament. Then as a professional player, Abdul-Jabbar went on to become a record six-time NBA Most Valuable Player, a record 19-time NBA All-Star, a 15-time All-NBA selection, and an 11-time NBA All-Defensive Team member. A member of six NBA championship teams as a player and two as an assistant coach, Abdul-Jabbar twice was voted NBA Finals MVP. In 1996, he was honored as one of the 50 greatest players in NBA history, and NBA coach Pat Riley and players Isaiah Thomas and Julius Irving have called him the greatest basketball player of all time. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar remains the NBA's all-time leading scorer and a Basketball Hall of Fame inductee. Since retiring from the NBA, Abdul-Jabbar has also been an actor, a basketball coach, and a best-selling author of 13 books. He's also one of a handful of influential and respected black men in America who has a national platform as a regular contributing columnist for the Washington Post and Time magazine. Kareem was appointed to be the U.S. cultural ambassador by then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and in 2016 he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama. Currently, he serves as the chairman of the Skyhook Foundation, whose mission it is to give kids a shot that can't be blocked by bringing educational opportunities to underserved communities through innovative outdoor environmental learning. Today, I'll talk with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar about his unique friendship with the man known as the greatest coach of all time. 
He discusses why Coach Wooden was more concerned with players' grades and their futures than with basketball, and his unusual philosophy that winning is a byproduct of hard work and preparedness, but winning isn't everything. He'll talk about how he felt when the NCAA banned dunking and how Coach Wooden helped him overcome that setback by helping him use his signature skyhook to maximum effect on the court. He also reveals how John Wooden handled racism in the socially charged civil rights era and how he taught Kareem to forgive a racial slur by another one of his early mentors. Plus, he shares some of Coach Wooden's favorite inspirational quotes, Coach's essential advice on how to put on your shoes and socks, and what Kareem calls basketball jazz. Coming up with basketball legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in just a moment. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the NBA's all-time leading scorer and a basketball Hall of Fame inductee. He's also an actor, a basketball coach, and a New York Times best-selling author. His essays and columns have appeared in Time, The Hollywood Reporter, and The Washington Post, among others. And in 2016, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Now he's written a new book about the man he calls a second father, the legendary Wizard of Westwood, UCLA basketball coach John Wooden. The book is called Coach Wooden and Me, Our 50-Year Friendship on and Off the Court. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, thanks so much for joining me. Glad to be here. Thank you. Well, I got to tell you, I loved Coach Wooden and me. For the folks listening, whether you're a basketball fan or not, there's so much wisdom in here, and it's such a touching story. Tuesdays with Maury has got nothing on this book, Kareem. Oh, well, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Coach John Wooden was arguably the greatest coach in the history of any sport, not just basketball. He won 10 NCAA national championships, including a record seven in a row, and his team won an NCAA men's basketball record of 88 consecutive wins, um, in no small part thanks to you. People listening may know him as the quote-unquote Wizard of Westwood, but tell us a little bit about who John Wooden was as a person. What was he like? John Wooden really felt that he was a teacher, and he felt that it was his job to uh, influence the lives of young men that came to him to learn about basketball. So he used basketball as a metaphor for life, and he taught us life lessons that enabled us to uh, do a lot better for the people that we care about, our wives and families, our nation. Um, All of these things were things that uh, Coach Wooden told us uh, that we could help. By the time you arrived at UCLA, you pretty much had had your pick of schools that you could play for. Uh, You went to check out UCLA and you met him. What was that meeting like for the first time? Well, you know, you you, you come to a school and you think you're coming there to play basketball. So I I come out to UCLA to go on my um, recruiting trip. And I go to Coach Wooden's office. And the first thing he talks to me about is not basketball. It's about academics. And he told me that, um, well, you got good grades and you've done well in high school. You should do well here at uh, UCLA. I expect everyone to do well in class and graduate with a degree. And that was his, uh, that was his preference. That was his focus. And uh, it started off like that, and it just uh, 
kept like that. He, he, he was uh, he was refreshing, and um, he was not out to exploit anybody. He wanted us to learn a few things that would help us for the rest of our lives. That must have been refreshing for you, because I imagine when you're going around to all these schools as the most sought-after basketball player <laughs> coming out of high school, you probably kind of feel like a piece of meat. Well, you can feel like a piece of meat, but uh, for me, it was uh, an opportunity to go get my college education, Mm -hmm. and that was important to me. And it's hard to imagine a coach telling you that winning wasn't that important and the scoreboard was meaningless. You say that he acted the same way after a victory as he did the two times that you guys experienced a defeat. Well, you know, he he didn't want us to be totally consumed with winning. Mm -hmm. He wanted us to understand that the process— that we went through to, to get ready to win was really where all the virtue lay. And as long as we understood that process and embraced it, uh, we would we would be okay. I, I found this sort of amusing. You said that once you decided to play for UCLA, the first day of practice, he starts by instructing you guys on how to put on your socks and tie your shoes. Were you a little taken back? I mean, you guys were about to become the winningest freshman team in the history of college basketball. He's telling you how to put your socks on. Well, you know, Coach had a had an idea that uh, you know certain things could surprise you and knock you out of the box in, as far as what you were thinking about doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you don't know how to put your shoes on correctly, you're going to get blisters because you'll end up with little lumps in your socks when you tie your shoes on tight over those, those little lumps can uh, rub on your skin, give you a blister. If you can't, if you have a blister, you can't practice. If you can't practice, you can't learn what you need to know to win on the basketball court for John Wooden. So, you know, you better uh, do the right thing in terms of putting your socks on so that you can have the whole experience. <laughs> and he loved sayings, didn't he have, I think it was a Ben Franklin saying related to that for want of a nail or something like that? No, no, the, the Ben Franklin saying that he stole from Ben was uh, failing to prepare is preparing to right. fail. <laughs> you say that your time playing for UCLA was an interesting experiment for both of you. And part of your appeal to him was, of course, a chance to work with a player your size. He had never worked with someone as tall as you. So it sounds like there was a little bit of testing things, figuring out how he could best use you on the team and how he could help you develop your skills to your maximum advantage. Um, a lot of trial and error, perhaps, huh? Yeah, I, I think there was uh, some trial and error, but uh, we got things figured out pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, we started to do very well as a basketball team. And I started to learn things that had nothing to do with basketball. I, it was very fortunate for me that I was an English major and um, Coach Wooden had been an English teacher because we had things to relate to and talk about that had nothing to do with hoops. and mm-hmm. it, it made the relationship uh, flow a lot better. Mm-hmm. You talk about how the two of you together sort of perfected your signature shot, the sky hook, although he called it something else, I think the flat hook, right? Yeah, he called it the flat hook. And, you know, I'd worked on that shot from the time I was in grade school. I, mm-hmm. I, I had it down, but uh, Coach Wooden gave me the best ideas as to how to utilize it, you know, and where to position myself so that I could take the, the most advantage of shooting that shot. And what would he tell you to do? Well, how just, did he adjust uh, it? Where, where to shoot it, you know, uh, where to end up after you shot it so that uh, you, you were still affecting 
the uh, play if if the shot didn't go in. The the pointers you gave me on when and how to use it really helped. And you perfected the sky hook just in time because the NCAA banned dunking just before your junior year. Uh, I'm sure it was hard not to take that as sort of a personal assault on you, huh? Well, I think uh, it had to do with the fact that uh, a lot of people wanted to see if they could limit my effectiveness. And years later, you learned that Coach Wooden himself supported that ban. Uh, Did you feel at all betrayed, or how did he explain it when you finally confronted him about that? Well, when I asked Coach Wooden about it, he said that that basketball was a game of of, uh, preparation and subtlety. And, uh, you know, it it was not a game of domination. And Mm -hmm. the dunk shot was just about domination. And he he felt that uh, that was not basketball in its best light. Yeah, I think you said that he considered it showboating, right? And one thing that he didn't have much tolerance for was showboating, huh? Yeah, Coach didn't like showboating, and he didn't like uh, just uh, people being too assertive. At one point, he said he always wondered about that last game that you had at Pauley Pavilion against USC. Apparently, there were rumors that you were going to break the dunking ban in that final game. Uh, why didn't you? Well, I, I didn't see any point to it. Uh, mm-hmm. it. It wasn't going to change anything. It wasn't going to prove anything. So why do it? Uh, it? It would just be me trying to be defiant. Um, you know, I, I had other other battles to fight. You talk about, on a personal level, feeling kind of alienated by your height, especially when you were younger and then when you were in college at UCLA. You say, because you looked like an adult, people expected you to act like one. And this was interesting. You said that you felt like you were taking up more than your share of everything. Was that part of the reason that you felt so shy off court? Uh, I I don't know. I've always been quiet, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of an introspective kind of person. Uh, so I, I don't think my size uh, changed that very much. It probably uh, uh, made it more extreme. Yeah, maybe in some ways it perhaps forced you out of your shell when you have people coming up to you and staring yeah, well, you and know, so forth. You know, when you when you're in a situation where you don't have any anonymity, mm, yeah, um, you know, it's, it's it's a different life. We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll return with more with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when we come back in just a minute. Do you need a custom whiteboard or have a large office build out and don't know where to get help? Are you tired of buying from a big box store and never having anyone you can talk to about your project? Let U.S. Markerboard be your source for standard and custom whiteboards, glass boards, and so much more. Servicing all of North America and every walk of life, from contractors to schools and everyone in between, and with 20,000 different board types, sizes, and colors, usmarkerboard.com has a huge selection of product and can make your idea into a reality. Plus, they offer competitive prices and, most importantly, superior U.S.-based customer service that you won't get from the big guys. U.S. Markerboard's knowledgeable and friendly folks take the guesswork out of purchasing whiteboards and communication boards. Just go to usmarkerboard.com today and use promo code KICK at checkout to get 10% off your order. Find out for yourself why U.S. Markerboard is the premium supplier of whiteboards and visual display products in North America. That's usmarkerboard.com and use the promo code KICK for 10% off. If you're interested in my conversation with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar today, then you should check out his new book, 
Coach Wooden and me, our 50-year friendship on and off the court. And right now you can download the audio version for free with a special promotion just for our listeners from audible.com. Just go to audibletrial.com slash kickassnews for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook download, which can be Coach Wooden and Me by my guest today, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or any of Audible's 180,000 titles. That's audibletrial.com slash kickassnews. Or click the sponsor link on our webpage to download the free audiobook of your choice. And now, back to the show. The 60s were, of course, a time of social upheaval, and it was the height of the civil rights movement, urban riots. And although you were somewhat protected from that in Westwood, California, apparently bigotry raised its head a number of times, especially when you were playing away games. How would Coach Wooden handle those situations, and how did he view civil rights and race in general? Well, Coach Wooden uh, was kind of uh, flabbergasted at just how vicious people could be on the issue of race, and he, ne- he never understood it. So it always bewildered him because it, it wasn't based on logic. Uh, it wasn't based on the content of people's character, just on their appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, racism is very illogical in that way, but uh, it, it's something that we all have to deal with. One time you were having dinner with him, and that was the first time that he, I guess, had some inkling of an idea of what you went through on a daily yeah. basis. What happened? We had, we had had uh, dinner at a restaurant, and uh, while we were talking with the owner of the restaurant, a woman came up to Coach Wooden and pointed at me and asked uh, asked Coach Wooden, um, you know, how tall I was. And I think you know Coach Wooden told her, and uh, she told Coach Wooden that she'd never seen a nigger that tall. Wow! And then walked out of the the restaurant, and you know, Coach Wooden was flabbergasted by it. You know, I heard it. He saw the effect that it had on me, and he didn't know what to do about it. He, he couldn't explain it. He couldn't, you know, make it go away. And uh, he, he tried to get me to understand that uh, the ignorance and uh, hostility of some people should not be taken as the way everybody feels. Yeah, and th- that's amazing that that would happen you know, in Westwood, California. Not Alabama or somewhere, but Westwood, California. Actually, it's Santa Monica. Oh, it's Santa Monica. Wow. <laughs> I wonder, did he ever give you advice on how to handle that or no. in individual circumstances? He didn't give me any advice on how to handle that, mm-hmm. uh, but he did tell me that, uh, you know, I I shouldn't judge all white people by the vicious actions of, of a few. And I think there was a perfect example of that in that, I guess, uh, at one point, your high school basketball coach had said something really horrible to you. Yeah, he did. And, and years he, later, you had held on to that, and he kind of helped you get past that, right? Well, I had gotten past it initially, mm-hmm. but there was some lingering um, resentment, and uh, Coach wouldn't help me to understand it and totally eliminate it from our history. And, you know, that was with my high school coach. Once we straightened that out— uh, it w- it was great. I was very happy that it was only a couple of years before my high school coach passed away, mm-hmm. you know. But we had put that behind us. Well, the story was that the coach had called you the N word. Uh, he said to provoke you into performing better. Uh, right, as I was a strategy, I was playing. Right? Uh, I, 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 I wasn't coach. playing very well. We had a yeah. game. We had a very big game, which would have been the next very next game that we played. 
But this game uh, was against a, a lesser opponent, and I, I was just, you know, being a cocky kid and not uh, applying myself. And mm-hmm. that, that really angered my high school coach. And he, he tried to shake me out of it, you know. And, and in uh, reaching for, for some uh, trigger or some a shock that he could mm-hmm. uh, use to, you know, get me out of my mindset, he, he went a little too far. Yeah, but you know he he got angry. You know everybody gets angry, and you know the way coach got me to deal with it. He he just asked me. He says, "Haven't you ever made a mistake?" Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, being a human being, I I have too many to to uh, to admit to. So yeah. uh, you know it, it it really helped me, and uh, my my high school coach and I were able to put all of the uh, any rancor uh, it was put behind yeah. us. Yeah, and you say that Coach Wooden would have been disappointed if you didn't talk about some of his mistakes or misjudgments in the book. Did he ever say, Lewis or Kareem, you know, maybe cool it on the racial talk or your friendship with Muhammad Ali or even the conversion to Islam? Did he ever have any criticisms or anything? No, no. Really? Coach never criticized us. He Sometimes he would question us. He wanted to know what our thought process was. He mm-hmm. wanted to know how we were— um, uh, dealing with whatever it might be, but uh, no, he he never, you know, gave any. He ne- he never dictated anything. Mm-hmm. And you had your own interesting spiritual journey that led you to Islam. He was, of course, a devout Midwestern Christian. Did you guys ever talk about religion? Yeah, we had to talk about religion one time on a on a uh, road trip. Uh, we were in the Midwest. Uh, I think we were between uh, Ohio State and uh, Notre Dame on a bus and started talking about religion. And everybody got a chance to tell everybody else on the team what they thought about their own personal faith and you know their, their opinion on faith in general. Coach Wooden thought it was a, a very positive uh, discussion. He kind of mentored it, but he, he didn't uh, try to dominate it. Mm-hmm. He asked a few okay. useful questions. Later on, he said that he nearly retired after you left UCLA. Why did he almost retire when you left? Well, I think that, uh, you know, it, it must have been fun for Coach trying to win the NC2A tournament. Uh, those, first, those first two wins, UCLA was underdogs. They weren't expected to win. After I got there, UCLA was expected to win every game. And uh, it really took the sense of discovery and, and enjoyment out of it. You know, instead of playing to win uh, – Coach had to coach a team not to lose, and you know that's a totally different mindset, to, and one that's not as enjoyable. And, and when you graduated from UCLA and went into the NBA, I have to think: was it an adjustment to go from a coach who was telling you that winning wasn't everything, and a guy who cared about your long-term well-being off the court and your development as a person, to go from that to playing for a big professional money-making organization that? perhaps treated you a little bit more like a chess piece or, or an asset. Well, you know, professional basketball is about winning. That's why it exists. So, you know, it's it's a totally different set of circumstances right. from college. And you had a remarkable 20-year career in the NBA, due in no small part, you say, to Coach Wooden's training. What did he teach you that helped you extend your longevity as a pro player? The reason that I played as long as I did was just that I understood that I had to prepare each year to mm-hmm. to be at my best. And, mm-hmm. You know, Coach Wooden taught us to to be prepared and to go into any situation knowing that uh, they want you to contribute something. So mm-hmm. 
try to give your best effort, and that uh, should should suffice. Yeah, and I think you said that because of his training, and I think what was the saying that he said, failing to prepare failing is... to prepare is preparing to fail. Yeah, and because of that, you said you were always determined that you were going to give 100% every time you were on the court, even during practice. And so you were pretty much prepared for anything, right? Well, you know, when you understand uh, you know, what the demands are for your profession, it, it, it helps you. Speaking of preparing 100%. I think that he said something along the lines of he hated it when coaches would say a team gave 110 or 120% on the court, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Coach Wooden was at a coach's seminar and, uh, you know, the coaches are talking about how they could try to get their team or players to give 120% or something like that. And Coach Wooden asked the question, he says, uh, I can't even get my my players to give 100%. <laughs> How do you get more than 100%? And it kind of made the coach, you know, who was going on that tangent, he, he had to get off of it because, you know, the logic of what Coach Wooden had to say kind of got through to him. <laughs> you said that your relationship during your time at UCLA was pretty much that of a coach and a player. Your friendship didn't really take off until long after you had graduated from UCLA. What was it that took your relationship from sort of a mentorship relationship to this very real 50-year friendship? Well, I think the passage of time had the most to do with it. You know, as, mm -hmm. as I got older and uh, got into my more mature years, I, I really appreciated even more so what I'd been through with Coach and his mm -hmm. friendship and what he had done to, to help guide me. And uh I really appreciated his presence in my life, and I, I made sure that uh, I uh, let him know that and uh, that I was there. And at a certain point after you retired as a player, you wanted to become a coach. Did he have any good coaching advice for you? You know, not as far as X's and O's. You know, I I didn't get very many opportunities to coach, and, uh, you know, it was, it was an issue for me. But the coach helped me deal with it. And you guys spent countless hours talking over lunch at VIP or sitting in his den. What kind of things would the two of you talk about? Geez, you know, we were both, Coach Wood and I were both baseball fans. So we'd talk about various aspects of baseball. Um, I was always uh, competing with him uh, about his All-American League team and my All-National League team. So we'd go back and forth on those issues. Mm -hmm. uh, he liked Western movies, so did I. Uh, he was more into the old-time ones. I, I like things more like Tombstone or Unforgiven. We had things to talk about. And if you have a second love to basketball, it was probably jazz. Your dad was a frustrated jazz musician who had aspired to play with a real band at one point. Um, My dad did play with real bands. He right. just never got to play with the, the... Professionally. The one band that he admired. But, uh, yeah, he he had been a professional musician for a while, but uh, in order to uh, make ends meet and to, to raise his family, my dad had to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. and, and you said that one of the many ways that you and Coach Wooden were a little bit different, he was a big band fan, you were more of a Coltrane... Uh, That's more into the modern... Modern idiom. jazz fan. Coach but, was from the, from the swing era, mm -hmm. and I was into, you know, I'm, I'm basically a bebopper. Yeah. You know? And you related jazz to how you played basketball and how he coached. Talk a little bit about uh, what you call basketball jazz. Basketball and jazz have uh, a similarity in that um, the the people who 
who practice it have to really be aware of each other uh, in order to to play basketball or perform jazz. You have to know what the people you're performing with are doing and and react to those choices that they make in time. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's very interesting that uh, you know the, the mentality of it is is basically the same thing. You're in a spontan- spontaneous situation. And uh, you have to react to each other. So there's a combination of uh, what he talked about, preparedness and improvisation. Yeah, all at the same time. That's cool. Well, you talk about how tragedies and losses brought the two of you even closer together in your friendship. Did he have a particular philosophy about coping with tragedy and healing? Coach Wooden had a particular philosophy, but he kept it mainly to himself. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he, he, he would... Tell us that that we shouldn't complain, and uh, that we should learn to appreciate all of the the good days in our in our lives because uh, not every day is like that. And he himself actually died just a few months shy of his hundredth birthday. I think. Um, did he ever have any secrets to longevity? Jeez, no, not, most. <laughs> I don't know if he had any secrets to longevity, but uh, he he absolutely. Um, was amazing in how, how long he lasted. Mm-hmm. Um, toward the end there, though, I, I you could tell that that he was tired, and uh, he was slowing down. But uh, he, he still kept all of uh, all of us that played for him. We became like even closer to him because uh, Nell wasn't there, mm-hmm. his his wife right. uh, of his whole life, and uh, you know it, it was neat that we could be there for him at a time when he needed us like that. Uh, What was your last meeting with him like before he passed away? Last time I met with Coach Wooden, um, it was at a dinner for, uh, that benefited the Negro League players and umpires. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just there. A lot of, you know, sports celebrities were there. I I sat at the table with Willie Mays that, that night, but uh, on my way out, someone came up to me and said, Coach, Coach Wooden wants to see you. He wants to say goodbye. And uh, I said, oh, geez. So I, I went over and spoke to Coach uh, Keith Erickson, another one of his players. He was there, and he, he, he spoke to both of us. He just said, I, I want to say goodbye to you guys. Uh, I don't get to see you as much as um, I would like, so I uh, just want to say goodbye to you guys tonight. And there was something about it that was different. And, um, you know, within an, a couple of days, I realized that he was saying goodbye because he wasn't going to last very much longer. And sure enough, um, you know, within a couple of months, he w- he had passed. Wow. I was with him just a couple of hours before he, he passed away, but, you know, he was unconscious and, um, you know, resting. And I just spent some time in the room with him and left. And uh, that evening, it was announced on the news that he had passed away. Wow. Sounds like he was an amazing guy. And to have a 50-year friendship with anyone, much less someone so extraordinary and such a great human being, must have been a wonderful gift. It was. I I really appreciate those moments of my life. And um, I never have regretted uh, my choice of going to UCLA. (laughs) Well, before we go, uh, he was known for his love of poetry and his literary quotes. Did you ever have a favorite? Geez, no. I, some of the poems were too long, uh-huh. but uh, i i got the I got the daily lecture at basketball practice, and that that was enough for me. I, <laughs> I got it all in, in those moments. Yeah.
Well, again, the book is called Coach Wooden and Me, Our 50-Year Friendship on and Off the Court. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, thanks so much for sitting down with me. Not a problem. Nice talking with you. Thanks again to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for joining me on the podcast. You can order his new book, Coach Wooden and Me, Our 50-Year Friendship on and Off the Court on Amazon. Or download the audiobook for free with a special trial offer just for our listeners at audibletrial.com slash kickassnews. You can learn more about what Kareem is up to these days at kareemabduljabbar.com and support his charity, the Skyhook Foundation, at skyhookfoundation.org. And follow him on Twitter at at KAJ33. Be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. Don't forget to take our listener survey. It only takes five minutes at podsurvey.com kick. You can visit Kick-Ass News on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at at kickassnewspod. And be sure to recommend Kick-Ass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at GoFundMe.com slash KickAssNews or click on the donate button at KickAssNews.com. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at KickAssNews.com. For now, though, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.